Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Religious freedom is a hot topic in our highest courts these days, including the Supreme Court, and we have someone here to talk about that. Dwayne Leslie is Associate Director for Public Affairs and Religious Liberty for the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He's talking to us from the editorial offices of Liberty Magazine in Silver Spring, Maryland. Dwayne, the Supreme Court, what is happening behind those pillars that we need to know about? Well, as you know, the Supreme Court uh, has been active uh, in many issues over the years, but this term particularly... There are a couple of cases that are putting religious expression and freedom of religion at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, uh, there's the case of the town of Greece, which was argued recently, but there's still no decision on it yet. And that dealt with the appropriateness of legislative prayer before a, uh, a town meeting. Okay, this is a town of Greece, and what state is that in? Upstate New York. Greece and upstate New York, okay. And legislative prayer, that means prayer in a government get-together, a government meeting? Right. It's a, it's, it's a local town meeting and uh, basically having prayer before. And what the town did is they made it open to faith leaders from throughout the town, mm-hmm. but the town is overwhelmingly Christian. So even if you had it open to everyone, they had a higher response rate from Christians. Mm-hmm. And so one argument is that uh, they are, in essence, promoting one form of religion over mm-hmm. another. In other words, if they'd had the prayer and then they'd had the call to prayer and then they'd have some other incantation, that would be okay as long as all religions were addressed. But you could not do that. They wouldn't have time to address all religions in a town meeting. Right. And also, in a smaller town, you don't have every religion represented. Yeah. So if you have a town that is 70% Christian um, and you have an open call, you know, statistically, you'll think that maybe 70% of the folks may end up being Christian. And yeah. so uh, you have sort of that net result where it appears that you're favoring one religion over another. That is something that a lot of people get hung up on. They say, well, why can't we pray in this country? Why can't we talk to God because God is the God of this country, etc., etc.? And I think you have a different take on this. Dwayne, what are your thoughts on this procedure and this case? Well, the Seventh-day Adventist Church did not take a public position in this case per se, but I think as we look at the issues that, that come from it, we promote religious freedom, mm-hmm. and we think that people should always have the opportunity to have their voice heard. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be problematic when uh, government decides to inject itself into this, and it would be very easy to have a government favor one religion over another. So I, I let me just say that I think that it's uh, there's a lot of caution that needs yes, to happen yes, in, yes. In, these, in these type of matters because you don't want uh, – and then you don't necessarily want the government – saying, well, this is a valid prayer and this is not a valid prayer mm-hmm. either. So we, you don't want the government making qualitative decisions about the acceptability of prayer. And these trends are coming up in other cases when the government's deciding what level of expression is appropriate or not ex- appropriate. And, and there's a, the case coming up, the Hobby Lobby case, where you have a for-profit corporation that says, uh, even though we're a for-profit entity, as a corporation, we have religious freedom rights. Mm-hmm. And typically, religious freedom rights have been limited to individuals mm-hmm. and also to churches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
The argument, of course, is that a corporation started by, in this case, that nice couple that started Hobby Lobby, they are they are Christians and they have their own ways of doing things, and this is their company, so why right. can't their company reflect their sensitivities in religious matters? And that's the basic argument. Uh, on the flip side, then, you know, some people say, well, where do you draw the line? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had a Christian science own company. Yeah. They don't believe in organized healthcare at all. Yeah. So would they be within their rights to say, we don't want to provide healthcare to any of our workers because it violates our religious beliefs? Mm-hmm. Or if it was owned by a Jehovah's Witness and they said, we don't want to cover blood transfusions, mm-hmm. uh, we would be, be within our rights for that too, correct? Yes. So what's happening with Hobby Lobby? I mean, where do you see this going? Because what you just said makes sense. It'll be very interesting. And that's why I think it's for the listeners, wherever you come out on the scale, I think it it's helpful to be informed about these cases. I'm really not sure where the, the court is going to come out on this. It has generated considerable interest. Many religious groups have filed a friend of the court briefs called amicus briefs. There are about 81 briefs that were filed mm-hmm. on both sides of this case. And so I think it's, it'd be interesting to see what happens, and I'm not really sure. But either way, I think we need a little bit more guidance. Yeah. You know, the court has said, if you look at the Citizens United case dealing with free speech, uh, that, that corporations do have free speech rights. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's possible that uh, they could use that logic to say that they have religious freedom rights. You know, as I listen to these stories and I listen to you talk about Hobby Lobby and prayer, legislative prayer and whatnot, by default, I come at this as a Christian because I am a Christian. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and listening to these stories through Christian eyes. If I was a Muslim, if I was an agnostic, if I was an atheist, these stories would sound different to me. Isn't religious freedom not only looking at things through the eyes of your religion, but also looking at things through the eyes of other religions? If I sit down for a meeting, a legislative meeting, a town council meeting in Greece, upstate New York, and I am a Muslim, this would sound very strange to me what they're doing. They're praying to who? About what? Why are they doing this? My tax dollars at work here, I pay taxes. I'm, I'm here. I have a religion of my own. Why don't they let me have my prayer? But they're not. They're having this religious prayer, even though there's a majority of Christians there. Is the secret for learning and providing religious liberty for people to look through life and stories and events through their eyes? Is that one way of doing it? I think it is. And, and I think 
there's some people who would argue the best way to to encourage tolerance is to expose people to a variety of, mm-hmm. of viewpoints. And so if you're a Christian, many Christians have no idea how other people promote their own faith right. or how right. they pray in, in their form. And so there's one argument that would say, well, this is actually a good way to expose people to a variety of beliefs. Yeah. But then the, the flip side to that is, well, maybe that's not appropriate at all. That's mm-hmm. not the role of government. If this is a legislative meeting, we should just do legislation and let's leave prayer out of it. Even though the majority of the people in town are Christians, that should be a... Tolerance sometimes requires that we do nothing as opposed to do something. Would, that, would I be right in saying that? There is. I mean, and it's, it, it's a difficult issue uh, in terms of figuring out what is, what is best for the community. But the United States has had a long history of legislative prayer. Yes. Uh, there are... Uh, the United States Senate has the Seventh-day Adventist chaplain, Barry Black. The House of Representatives has a full-time chaplain. So there's been a long history since nearly the beginning of this country to have this. And, yeah. uh, and so that's why um, there's a lot of history and support for these type of actions. And of course, we need to stand on the very cold steps of the Capitol building in Januarys of every five years when we have a new president sworn in. There is usually a prayer there, and this is someone up there praying a religious Christian prayer to millions of people who may or may not be Christian. Why is that okay, but yet they have a problem up there in upstate New York when someone wants to pray to God at the beginning of a town meeting? That's exactly it, and so that's what the argument that's being raised is. The history of this country has long said that it's okay to have these prayers, but in this limited town, some people had an issue with it, and so that's why the Supreme Court will be deciding what will happen there, And, and while it's hard to say how it'll come out, the long history of this might lean towards the Supreme Court saying that it's okay. I just wonder if someday we elect a president who happens to be an atheist. I don't know if that's possible. But if that president is elected on that inauguration day and there was no prayer at all because, you know, we had prayer on the president's inauguration days because the president wanted it. If the president does not want a prayer and we did not have a prayer, would this country rise up? I'm asking you to speculate here, uh, Dwayne. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, that great question. I, I think it would... Uh for many people, uh, where their faith is such a, a integral part of who they are, uh, I think it might be a challenge to, to elect someone you know who has no faith or has no stated faith. Yeah. Um, you, you see, in the House of Representatives, uh, this is the most religiously diverse Congress. There actually are Congress people who uh, have no stated religion, hmm. but it's much easier, I think to have that in a very localized sense. I'd be very surprised to see someone win on a national basis, given the current religious makeup of this country. Well, that may be for now, but as this world is going and religion is losing its uh, grip on people and nations, I would not be surprised that someplace down the road that might happen. Who knows? Who knows? Well, I know that religious liberty is an issue that is near and dear to your heart. Any final words here in the last minute of our program for the Supreme Court? What we should be looking out, you know, Hobby Lobby, prayer, anything else we should be watching for? I think the main thing is just to encourage the listeners to, these are really important issues that could impact our rights going forward. There'll be other cases, you know, same-sex marriage and how that impacts the, the faith community. So I would just encourage people to really 
follow the news, follow the developments of the Supreme Court, because these cases will have significant ramifications for what faith looks like in the United States of America. Religious liberty is an ongoing story, that is for sure. Dwayne Leslie, who is Associate Director for Public Affairs and Religious Liberty for the General Conference of Seventh Adventist. Dwayne, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And listener, there is a website. You can get more information about this topic and others and keep yourself up to date on what's happening in the world of religious liberty, and that is libertymagazine.org. Like the magazine, as a matter of fact, the articles from the magazine, magazine are right there for you to read. Like the magazine, this website exists to keep us all up to date so we know what's going on. We can also share our ideas in the comment section. We can join these uh, forums and, and banter back and forth and express ourselves in ways that will be important for those who are coming to the website and reading what you have to say. That's all at libertymagazine.org. And of course, you can also subscribe to the magazine. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dwayne Leslie inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.